he's just into sports and other stuff, and so he, he doesn't watch it uh, any longer. So it's probably been a year or two since we've watched some Sesame Street. And so I told the boys riding in, I was just trying to think of something fun to do, a little 10-minute ride in. I said, let's play a game, and uh, I'll name two Sesame Street characters, and you tell me uh, which one moves on to the next round. Who's, who's the best character? And let's uh, play a little game. So we were, you know, Big Bird or Snuffleupagus. Uh, Oscar the Grouch uh, or Telly, and uh, we were doing this, and then it, and then it came to the critical moment in our family. Uh, I said Elmo or Grover, Elmo or Grover. Now Elmo's the red, cute, cuddly one. Uh, Grover is the skinny, blue character that if you haven't watched Sesame Street in a while, uh, Grover is the one that's always trying to solve problems and usually ends up hurting himself uh, in the process. And so I said, Elmo or Grover? And it was a split decision. Uh, two of us uh, wanted Elmo and two wanted Grover. I wanted Grover. Laura, who was the other boy that wanted Grover? Ethan. Me and Ethan. Me and Big E. We said, Grover. Elmo's done. Grover moves on the next round. And Laura and Owen said, Elmo. No way. Elmo's better. So we were two against two in the car. Elmo against Grover. And my wife, with a very wicked look, probably the, the look that Jezebel probably had in the Bible, she looked over at me with just the, just the faintest grin on her mouth, and she said, yeah, I figured you'd pick Grover. He has a lot of accidents in his life, too. <laughs> Woo! Rough. Rough. Uh, appreciate your prayers, and uh, I did decide this week to go to actually an orthopedic doctor because still having some problems, and they... Uh, They've got me going some physical therapy now, and hopefully this is going to uh, take care of it. If it doesn't, I'll have to go get an MRI, but, but hopefully physical therapy is going to take care of this in the next couple of weeks. So I want you to pray for me and pray that this will just get healed up and, uh, and get done. So, um, you know, I'm blessed being a pastor. I can work on sermons and call and text people from home and uh, stay there and ice my foot and all that, and that's fine. But, uh, man, when you know how it is when you're cooped up for a while, you're ready to get out and go and so I'm excited again like last week one thing I will say this has done for me is our worship time we sing I have appreciated it more the last couple of weeks than I normally do I always enjoy it but when you're stuck at home uh, unless until your wife comes home to take you somewhere or do whatever uh, it's just not the same and so I, I can tell you today man I have enjoyed the last two Sundays when we've gotten here to praise the Lord and worship him that's one thing God has taught me through this and the amazing thing about our God is when we serve Jesus he can teach us through the valleys and the mountains. Amen? He can do both. And uh, so that's pretty, pretty amazing. So I don't know if you're Grover or Elmo today, but we're, we're not going to talk about Sesame Street. We're going we're gonna to continue to worship Jesus if we've already, already done, and we're going to learn from his word today. And uh, we're just going to celebrate who Jesus is this morning and what he has done for his people. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Lombard Street. Lombard Street in San Francisco. Uh, Lombard Street in San Francisco is an east-west street there in San Francisco, and it is very famous. It's a, it's, it's a worldwide famous street because it has a steep one-block section of Lombard Street where there are eight hairpin turns. You can see that. That is uh, just, just horrific, that street there. Eight back-to-back hairpin turns, and it is uh, considered uh, the crookedest street in the world. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know, but it has carried that designation for some time as the crookedest street in the world. It's a major tourist attraction. Around 2 million people uh, visit that every year. 
to say that they have driven down Lombard Street. During the summertime, during peak season, 17,000, 17,000 cars will go down that road. So that is just unbelievable. The crookedest road in the world, Lombard Street. In life, there are straight roads and there are crooked roads, and Lombard is definitely a crooked one. This is kind of not surprising, right? I mean, this is nothing new that the world has crooked roads and straight roads, so maybe it shouldn't surprise us, and maybe you're already aware of this, that the Bible, several times throughout the narrative and story of the Bible, this imagery is used of crooked roads and straight paths, uh, or crooked paths and straight roads. This imagery of crooked and straight is used over and over again in the Bible to differentiate between wise choices and unwise, uh, between righteous choices and unrighteous, uh, decisions that we make. And the imagery that helps us think about it are, are crooked roads or straight paths. Now here's the thing about Jesus. There's some fundamental things about Jesus that we all need to know. There's some fundamental things that Jesus wanted to communicate and he did very clearly both through his words and his actions. And his church needs to continue to communicate. And one of the fundamental things about Jesus is that Jesus calls for a decision. Uh, Jesus is a light that shines upon our lives and upon our choices and upon our decisions. And not just us, but our society and our world. Jesus is a king that shines a light upon these things. And he forces us to make decisions about whether or not we will follow the path that Jesus has or whether we will follow uh, our own path, a crooked path. And so this morning, I want you to go to Acts chapter 13. You might already be there. Go to Acts chapter 13 this morning. And we're going to look at two people, two people who are confronted with Jesus. And one chooses to initiate a crooked path. And the other decides to consider the straight path. And as we think about these two paths and these two people today, I want you to think about your own life. I want you to allow the Lord to speak to your heart today about the path that you are on. A crooked road or straight path, all right? So Acts chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 1. Now remember, the church is spreading, but we saw last week that some of the, one of the key leaders was taken out. James was beheaded by Herod. Uh, Herod had James killed. He saw, we, we saw last week that when James, this early di- disciple of Jesus, when he was murdered uh, by the king, that it, the king saw that it pleased many of the other Jews, especially the Jewish leaders, and he saw that it pleased them, and so he kidnapped Peter, and he, and he said he's going to kill Peter as well. But we saw last week that the Lord turned the tables, and where uh, it looked impossible for Peter to have victory, it looked impossible for Peter to live, that the Lord actually undid what Herod did. He freed Peter from prison and gave Peter life, and Herod, the one that was giving death, he actually is the one who ends up dying at the end of the text last week. Now, if you're glad that our God makes the impossible possible, say amen. He does. And so um, the gospel's spreading. That's, that's how we ended last week is that the gospel uh, is spreading and, it, and, it, and it's continuing. And we saw Acts 12, 24, the word of God grew and it multiplied. And we saw last week that several years have passed, a number of years have passed, but Barnabas has brought in this guy named Saul and they are going together to strengthen churches and they're going to begin to plant churches. And so we're, we're several years into the story of the book of Acts. You need to realize that. We have, we have made a jump forward uh, in the story. The church is still very young, but it's now several years into its existence. All right, so let's read in Acts 13, verse 1. Now, there were in the church 
that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and uh, Simeon that was called uh, Niger. Now, now stop right there. This is pretty cool. Simeon was called Niger. Uh, that just means black. Uh, this is Simeon, uh, a black guy, probably from Africa. Of course, the Romans dealt in slavery, and you also have trade and things. And their, their slavery was not based in race. It was, the, it was based in who they had conquered or if you gave yourself into servitude. So, so their race was not just one group of people. And I don't know if he got on this island because of slavery or if he got there because of trade, because he was into commerce. I don't know. But it says here, it says, hey, once you know, there's this guy Simeon. And uh, man, they just called him the black guy. I mean, that's literally what that means. And uh, it, it says there, this was Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen. So already in the church, you already, already see people from different ethnic backgrounds together. And it doesn't matter your ethnic background. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. What matters is your spiritual calling and whether you follow the Lord. And so we see right along each other right here, we see Simeon. That this black man raised up with these other believers to become a leader within the church. If you are glad that the Lord does not rate us based on our race or based on the amount of money we have or based on who our family is, but the Lord looks at us and says, I'm going to give everybody my spirit and anybody who wants to can grow in my knowledge because I'm going to give them the same spirit. If you're glad the Lord deals with us on that basis, say amen. So the church is growing. And, of course, this is very different than the Roman Empire that all this is happening is because the Roman Empire, you're either Roman or you're not. Maybe you're Greek, so you have some education. You're the Roman Greek world, or you're a barbarian. Well, that's not the way it is in the church. In the church, you either have Jesus or you don't. And if you've got Jesus, uh, man, if you've got the Spirit, that's who people are looking to, uh, to minister. So look what verse 2 says. They ministered to the Lord and they fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, separate, even out of this little group, he says, separate now to me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So he has an even more definite, even more specific call for Barnabas and Saul. And so what did they do? Verse 3, they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Uh, not because they were in trouble. He sent them away to do their work. So they, verse 4, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, so look up on the screen, they go to Seleucia, and from there uh, they traveled to Cyprus. So see the church at Antioch uh, there, and they go down, and then they go to Seleucia, and then they go to Cyprus, and they make their way, we're going to see, they make their way across Cyprus uh, to Paphos, all right? So that's, that's where we're at. They send them out from Antioch to go spread the word and to preach and to build up churches. And when they were at, uh, it says, when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue. So see Salamis there, they land, and they go to the synagogue, they go to the Jews first, and they're telling them about the Messiah and what the, what the Messiah has done. They go to the synagogue of the Jews, and they had John with them to minister. He's, there's also John ministering with them. Now this is John Mark, who will, who will come back up again a little bit later. He's a younger guy that is with these two uh, older believers, and John is with them. Verse 6, and when they had gone through the isle of Patmos, they've made their way through it, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew. So this is, this is a, a Jew uh, who would know, maybe about the, probably would know about the story, the Messiah that's going to come and the Messiah that would save. And uh, his name is Bar-Jesus. So we have this sorcerer, we have this false prophet, we have this Jewish believer that is there in Paphmos, Paphmos, Paphos, sorry. It says that when they were there, which was he was with the deputy of the country, 
Sergius Paulus, a prudent man. He's the proconsul, which is the equivalent of a governor. He's a prudent man. And who is there? And so they're, they're there uh, with the leader of the country. And he called for Barnabas and Saul. So apparently what Barnabas and Saul were doing was making an impact on this island. So much so that the leading Roman authority calls these guys in. Why did he call them in? Look at verse 7. Because he desired to hear the word of God. Now, there are all kinds of people this week that have got a word from television. And they got a word from teachers in a classroom. And maybe they got words from their boss. And they got words from their family. And those words can help us or they can hurt us. But none of those words can reveal to us or can speak to the deepest needs in our heart. Only God can do that. And so this Roman, even though he's a Roman... And in many ways, he's the, the Roman society is the opposite of what church society looks like. This guy knows, I want to hear, I want to hear about this God that they're preaching. And so he calls them in, he desires to hear the word of God. But look at, look at verse 8, all right? So now we're going to get uh, the Romanized name of this sorcerer. It's the same guy, his Romanized name. But Elemas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them... Seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So this guy, Elemas, he knows, I do not want this guy to embrace Jesus. Because if he embraces Jesus, if Sergius Paulus embraces Jesus, then the authority of Jesus goes up and Elemas' authority goes down. Because Sergius Paulus will no longer have to look to Elemas for guidance in life and direction in life. He won't have to do that anymore. He'll be looking to Jesus for guidance and direction and purpose. And so Elemas knows, I can't let this happen. So they're there together, and Elemas is trying to stop them from continuing to teach and proclaim the good word of God. And what happens? Then Saul, who is also called Paul, so Paul is just sort of the Romanized name for Saul. And it's not surprising, now he's going into the Roman Empire, they start referring to him by this more Romanized name. Saul is Jewish, Paul is Roman. And so you can see as he's going to spread the gospel and, and preach that they begin to call him by this name. And so Saul, who's also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Ghost and he set his eyes on him. Now the Bible talks about uh, the hand of the Lord. And the Bible talks in Revelation about when people see uh, the Lord God and His power and glory. It talks about, man, the, the eyes and, and the flames and the fire and the presence of God. And here is Saul that is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Ghost and he set his eyes on him. He just doesn't glance at him. Uh, he looks him down. He stares him down. But there's something more than just Paul here. There is the Spirit of God. And so he looks at him and he said, O full of all subtlety and mischief, you child of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Will you not cease to make crooked the straight path of God? Why? Why are you perverting? Why are you turning? Are you ever going to stop making crooked what the Lord strives to make straight? Will you cease to pervert or to change or to alter, to make crooked the way of the Lord? Ways of the Lord. Now behold, Paul says, now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind. Not seeing the sun for a season. 
And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. And he went about, he reached out, seeking for someone, some to lead him by the hand. But then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. The deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, was astonished at the doctrine, the teaching, the truth of the Lord. Crooked roads and straight paths. Paulus and Elymas. Sergius Paulus, this proconsul or governor of Cyprus, it is unreal that he is called uh, these absolute nobodies, Barnabas and Saul, they're nobodies. They don't have any standing with Roman society. Uh, Saul is going to keep it quiet for a long time that he's even a Roman. He doesn't play that trump card. We'll find out later that he has Roman citizenship, but he doesn't play that trump card. He doesn't wear it on his sleeve. He only, he only uses it when it's necessary uh, to advance the gospel. Apparently, he doesn't, he doesn't have anything to say about it. Barnabas is, is a Jewish believer. They're part of a small uh, but, but rapidly expanding group of Jews. They're, they're nobodies. And here these nobodies are. They're standing before the most important, the most powerful Roman official on the island of Cyprus. They have no political standing. They have no authority. They're not wealthy. They do not have what would be the equivalent today of a high-profile Facebook. They don't get a lot of likes on their Facebook pages. They don't blog. They're unknowns. But they have something better than political authority. They have something better than wealth. They have something better than fame. They have the power of God. And how easily we forget that. How easily we forget that what we most need in life is not another like on our Facebook page another follow on our Twitter, another retweet. What we most forget is we really don't need more people clamoring to us and looking to us. That's not what we need. What we need is the power of God. And that's the one thing they had. It makes it clear throughout this narrative we've been reading in Acts, and it does it again here. They lay hands to signify the presence and the power of God. That is whose authority they are going out under, and that's whose authority will sustain them and guide them. They are called and empowered by God, and God has opened impossible doors. Now, don't you? Now, I already asked you, but let's—I mean, this this deserves a second amen. If you're glad that God makes the impossible possible, say amen. And He has right here, and everything's all good, and everything is rosy, and man, everything is—it's—it's it's hallelujah time. Man, I, I got a little hallelujah time today. I mean, we got. Uh, Trisha and Dylan, they had prom last night, and, uh, and lo and behold, they're here, and attentive, and paying attention. And you know, that'd be an easy night to say when you're a young person, hey, I've been out late tonight, I'm not, I don't have, I'm not going to go to church tomorrow, I'm not going to do that. And so when I, when, I, man, when I saw Trisha and Dylan, I was like, this is, this is right, this is good, they're in God's house today, worshiping. Man, if you like that, say, if that encourages you, say amen. That's good. Well, listen, sometimes it's hallelujah time. And, and it, for, for right now... Right, for the doors that God is opening for Saul, Paul, and Barnabas, this is hallelujah time. He has made the impossible possible, but then it happens. Then it happens. And then the opposition comes into play. Then the obstacle occurs. And this obstacle has a name, and his name is Elymas. But we know from the teaching of the Bible, it's not just the person. There's a power behind this person. There's the demonic force in his work at work trying to thwart the love and peace and joy of God that he wants for your life, and he wants for your communities, he wants for our nation. Now listen, there's a working force to stop that. 
And that is the devil. But Elymas is being the instrument today of the devil. And by the way, Saul just, he, he flat out tells him that. He's like, you're the devil, man. You're, you're doing the work of the devil. And so here's the thing I want you to remember this week. Because some of you today, you're in hallelujah time. And everything's going pretty good. And you're feeling right. But something's going to happen this week. There's going to be an obstacle. There's going to be an opposition. And you're going to think to yourself, why does this happen? Why does this happen? Well, God's got this story for you. And maybe today you're already in the opposition, the obstacle. Well, this is for you too because they are in the hallelujah time. People are getting saved. This island is coming to faith. They are before the head of the Roman government. And then, boom, they face this obstacle. Elemis, a sorcerer that, that traditionally has had the power with this Roman ruler to just turn people away. And to push them aside. And that's the thing about sin. That's the thing about the devil. Sin in your life wants to sideline what the Holy Spirit is doing within you. The devil wants to stop this movement of God. God is doing some things. God is moving in your life. God is opening doors you can't can't open. God has put people in your path to help and to minister to you. The Lord is blessing you. The path is straight. And then boom, opposition and obstacles that would tempt you to go off on a crooked path. Always somebody, always something out there in this sinful world that he's looking and striving to do the work of their master to turn the straight way, the straight path of the Lord, to turn your path, not to stay on that straight path, but to turn your path into a crooked winding path that leads to nowhere but heartache and trouble. And I watch the children exit, the older, the older kids exit. Potential. Love for the Lord. All that they represent, it's amazing. But you know, church, we need to be serious about what we do for God because there's an enemy out there who doesn't want them to continue on the path they're on. He wants to defeat them and lead them to hell. That's what he ultimately wants, separate them from God. But he wants it for you too. Last, did you notice Did you notice a theme? There are a lot of themes going on in Acts. Last week we saw Herod. Last week Herod was trying to undo what the gospel was doing. This week it's Elemis. Later it's not even going to just be people. It's going to be shipwrecks and storms and earthquakes. And so it's not just people. I don't want you to get this wrong. It's not just people that can be obstacles and opposition. It can just be life, the things that happen. If we're not careful, they can lead us astray. And so yes, Proverbs 3, 6 teaches us, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all that you do, look to God and acknowledge God. And He will direct your paths. That's a straight path. And it is promised to us, we look to God, we acknowledge God, we strive to live for Jesus, we study this word, he will, step by step now, he's not going to show you the whole thing, but step by step, he will direct your path, and it'll be a straight path. And so how does he do this? How does he direct our paths? Through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through other believers? But here's the thing I want you to remember. Just because the path is straight does not mean that you will not encounter adversity and things will try to get you off of the path. Maybe there are a set of events that have left you doubting God today, that have left you doubting your place in the kingdom of God. Maybe there is a person. Maybe today it's not events. Maybe you can name the person. This person is leading me away from the will of God. Maybe. Maybe it's your own laziness or your lack of commitment that is leading you away from God. Maybe it's not somebody else and maybe it's not another set of events. Maybe it's just you and the choices that you are making that are leading you astray. Now it's true, 
Proverbs 3 is, is right. It's true that if you acknowledge the Lord, if you seek to follow Him, He will honor that. He will show you the straight path. But Proverbs 4.26 is also true. Proverbs 4.26 says, watch, pay attention, ponder. Proverbs 4.26 says, watch the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. God has given the straight path. But Proverbs 4 makes clear the role for you is to for as New Testament believers, we would put it this way, you must continue to walk by the Spirit and the Word, and you must pay attention because the path is straight. But if you don't pay attention to it, if you don't pay attention to what God is showing you and teaching you through His Word and through His Spirit, if you're not careful, your feet, your feet will wander off. So here is Paulus. And Paulus is ready to hear about the straight path. He's ready to be given the opportunity to follow Jesus, to have his life changed forever. Boy, if you love it, when we celebrate salvations, uh, and when people, when people uh, go through their baptism to show us that they've been saved, they've been changed, have, headed to heaven, well, if you love baptism Sunday, say amen. If you love it when somebody gives their heart to Christ, say amen. I mean, this is what it's about. Sergius Paulus, they're preaching, they're teaching, they're spreading the word of God. And now they are face to face with, with, I mean, from a worldly standpoint, this would be a huge convert, right? I mean, the Roman, the Roman governor, pro-council to get saved. Not just from a worldly standpoint, from a godly standpoint, for God to show that he has the power to change the heart of a Roman leader, just like he has the power to change the heart of a Jew. For God to show both those things, I mean, that would be a spiritual win. So here's Paulus, and he's ready to consider this straight path, but there's an obstacle, and his name is Elymas. The Bible says that Elymas was a sorcerer who withstood them. I believe that's what Elymas actually means, that that name actually means that. Uh, you could check that later today, but Elymas, the sorcerer, says withstood them. Why did he withstand them? He sought to turn the deputy from the faith. He, he, he sought to turn him off of this straight path to the Lord. He wanted to get him off that path. Let's just, let's just read that again, verses 10 and 11, all right? Look at uh, 10 and 11. How does Saul respond to this? Start at verse 9. Then Saul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him, said, Oh, full of all subtlety and mischief. You're just, you're just full of trouble and mischief and plotting and planning. You child of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind not seeing the sun for a season, and immediately there fell on him a mist and darkness, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. You know what sorcerers do? I mean, you could sum up the job of a sorcerer. They try to enchant you. They try to influence you. So what does a sorcerer do? They want to enchant you. They want to influence you to do what they want you to do. And so you know the stories. You know how it works. Like a, they'll, they'll put a spell on you, or they'll lead you away, or they'll, or they'll perform some false miracle that will make you do what they want. A sorcerer tries to manipulate things, and they try to manipulate you to get you to do what they want. That's what a sorcerer does. And so Elymas is used to influencing people, and he's used to manipulating people, and he decides, I've got to manipulate Sergius Paulus from following Jesus. I've got to manipulate him in another way. He's got to do what a sorcerer does. Now, Ethan asked me this week, this is, this is interesting, Ethan asked me this week, my oldest son, he said, is the Bible like magic? Like, that's a good question. Is the Bible like magic? Are miracles 
like magic. And this is what I told my son, and maybe this practically will help you. I said, no, the Bible is not like magic. Magic is about people trying to control things and other people. Magic is about you manipulating and you control. And I told Ethan, I said, the Bible is not like magic. Magic is about us trying to control things or somebody else. The Bible, the miracles of the Bible, it's not about us controlling things. It's about showing us that God is in control of everything. Magic we control. We manipulate. No, no, no. The miracles of the Bible and what Jesus has done and what God has given us, this Holy Spirit we have, he's not a genie that we pull out to rub and manipulate and do what we want. The Holy Spirit is, is the presence of God to point us and show us what he wants and to let us know what he is going to do. And so here we have one that works in magic, and we see this showdown between magic and the power of God. I mean, now God's overcome a lot in the book of Acts already, if you've been with us through this series, but now he's got to come face to face with a sorcerer that is used to manipulating things, controlling things, and, and, and here's the showdown. Is this sorcerer going to be able to stop the work and power of God? Now, we don't think about sorcerers as much today, but come on, folks. The media want to manipulate things, right? Politicians want to manipulate things to get the outcome they want. They're your teachers in the classroom. They want to they want to, hopefully in the right way, but they want to control things to get the outcome that they want. As parents, we part of our job is to try to control our children and get the outcome that we want. But let's just get this straight. In a world where everybody's trying to do what they want to get the outcome that they want, sometimes God has got to show up and say, you're not in control, I'm in control. Right here before this Roman authority, this showdown, the Lord is striving to show them it's not about magic and manipulation, it's about the power of God. Somebody, you guys are very attentive. Look right here at me. Somebody in this room, somebody in this room today, there is somebody trying to manipulate you away from the Lord. And there's somebody in this room that God brought you here this morning because there's somebody or something that is drawing you away from Jesus and it is manipulating you to move away from Christ. And Jesus wants you to know this story, not just as, as, as history from the past. He wants you to know it today because the Lord does not want you led away from Jesus because Jesus is life. Remember Galatians? The Galatians had had the truth preached to them. They knew about Jesus, but they started to walk off on other paths. And so in Galatians, the text says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Who has enchanted you? Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus was clearly betrayed. In Galatians, Paul says, I clearly preach Jesus to you as crucified. So who has enchanted you? Who's got a hold of you to lead you away from Jesus? This morning there is somebody in this room there's some married couple in this room. There's some single person in this room. There's a younger person. There's an older person. There is somebody in this room that you know right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The power of God through his word is breaking into your heart right now. And you know this thing or this person or these circumstances are leading me away from Jesus. You are being manipulated. And what God wants you to know today is that is the work of the devil and it is death. You may think this morning, is God interested in me? And is he interested in my problem? Yes. The same God who blinds Elymas here, the same God that dealt with Herod last week, that same God can overcome, can lead you through the obstacles and opposition that you 
face, Jesus overcame death. He overcame the ultimate thing to show us that God's power is supreme. So you say, how can I move through this opposition? How can I move through this obstacle? What can draw me back from being manipulated and led away? Well, it's just what Gloria sang about. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It really is. It's all about Jesus. The crooked roads and straight paths. Verse 12, look at it. Then the deputy, this, now this is an interesting verse. Catch this, because if you get this in your, in your, in your theology, and your doctrine, if you get this, you will be able to withstand and you will not be led astray by a lot of wrong teaching that is out there in the world, particularly on television. If you catch this verse, look at what happens. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed. But what is it that led to the belief? He saw what was done, believed. Why? Being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now, why is this important? It's not the miracle that saved Sergius Paulus. The miracle occurred, the miracle occurred so that he could see Jesus. But it was not the miracle that saved him. What saved him was the doctrine of the Lord, the truth of Jesus. Who Jesus is, is what saved him. He did not put his faith in the miracle. That's what magicians do. Put your faith in my, my working over here and I'll get you to do whatever I want for the rest of your life. No, no, no. He saw the miracle which removed the obstacle, but his faith was in the Lord, who Jesus is. The miracle, God used the miracle to open up the possibility of Jesus to him. But the miracle is not what changed his life. What changed his life was Jesus. Was Jesus. All right? It's, it's, all, it's always, it's always been about Jesus. So here's the thing. You need a miracle this morning? Let God know. Let God know. And if it's God's will and God's purpose, God will provide a miracle for you. Man, if our God is, if he's, a, if he's, a, if he's, a, if he's what we sang about, if he's, a, if he's a way maker, man, if he's a miracle maker, say amen. He'll do the impossible, right? I mean, Becca's still sitting beside Connor like it's happened right here. Y'all not laughing, you should laugh at that. Nicolette's laughing, you're in so much trouble. Miracles happen. Miracles happen. But here's the thing, if you put your faith in the miracle, there are times in the book of Acts and other places where God says, it's not my will to work the miracle you want. That's not my purpose for you. For my Sometimes God knows that what's needed more than the miracle is for you to trust God as you go through the journey. And so miracles are great and they should be celebrated. And we do believe, I believe in miracles. I, I believe in them. I believe God does amazing things. But I know this. Give God praise when the miracle happens. And always remember, the miracle is not an end to itself. The miracle is always about pointing people to Jesus. Always. And so Paulus doesn't put his faith in the miracle. He's, he's, he changes because of the truth of the Lord and who God is. The miracle happened so he could hear and see what he needed to see and so the gospel could continue, but it is Jesus that saves. So if you need a miracle this morning, I, listen, you need to come forward today and you just need to be honest and kneel and pray and maybe have somebody else pray with you today and you need a miracle in your life. Listen, you come and we will pray with you and we will pray for that miracle this morning. We will pray for that. 
But as we pray for that miracle, we're going to we're going to point you beyond the miracle to somebody. We're going to point you to Jesus because Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you. And we saw in the beginning of the text, it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are. Jesus died for all people. He died for you. So there's somebody in here today that is on a crooked path. Or there's somebody today that's in danger of heading down a crooked path. And what you need to do today is you need to consider your steps, which is what this sermon hopefully does through power of the Spirit. Made you consider your steps a little bit this morning. Maybe, maybe in your own heart some sin has been identified. He says you need, to, you need to see that. And when you see that you're in sin, you need to ask the Lord to forgive you, and He will. Listen, the only thing, and, and this is a debated thing, but the only thing the Lord doesn't forgive is this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which I, I, I don't know everything that means, but basically I think that means, that means God does not, He won't forgive those that just reject Him and reject what He's doing. Like those who choose to, I'm not going to have anything to do with the Spirit, I'm not going to work with the Spirit, I reject the Spirit. If that's the choice you made, then God's going to let you have it. Otherwise, listen, if you're here today and you're at the hearing of the gospel, you can be saved today. If you've got sin in your life, you can be relieved of that sin today. You can confess it and you can have freedom from it. God will do a miracle. God will do a miracle. He will forgive you of your sin today. Right now. So if you need a miracle today, you, you come. Lombard Street, I don't know if you've ever been to San Francisco, but I know all of us have points in our lives where we find ourselves on a crooked path. And we have to be reminded by the Word of God, no, 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 it's not the crooked path, it's the straight path. How do you know you're on the straight path? How do I know that I'm on the straight path? The straight path always points to Christ. The straight path always points to Jesus. So this morning, are the decisions you're making pointing you to Jesus? Is the way you treat your wife helping her look to Jesus? Is the way you treat your husband helping him look to Jesus? Is the way you live in your school, the way you treat people at school, the decisions you make, is it pointing people to Jesus? Is your free time pointing people to Jesus? Man, I saw something last night and it convicted me and it broke me a little bit. I saw a, a, a professor from when I was at Duke and she had put on there, she said, man, I long for the days before cell phones. Because before cell phones, there were nights when I would lay in bed by myself and I would pray to Jesus. Now I lay in bed and I look at my phone. We need Jesus. And somebody today is on a crooked path. Somebody's on a path that's leading them away. But you need to understand Elemas is the worker of the devil, but the devil cannot stop what God was going to do for Sergius Paulus, and the devil cannot stop you. You actually have a decision you get to make today, a choice that's there, a crooked path, or straight way. The straight always points us to Jesus. If God's good, say amen. God is good. And maybe today... Through this word, you've been convicted, you've been touched. Maybe there's somebody you know is on a crooked path you want to pray for. Maybe a day you want to be saved. You want out of the life you're in. You want to live with the Lord. You want to be with Him because you know you're on that crooked path. Now is the time of decision. Don't, don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't, if you wait, you'll be back home tonight looking at your cell phone instead of looking to Jesus. This place, this time, is about looking to Him. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's stand.
Let's just pray together. And then, man, if you want to come, listen, you come and you pray today while they sing. And we've got, we've got some people, they're not going to pry into your business. They, they're not going to ask you anything you don't want to tell them. But they will put a hand on you and they'll pray with you. And if you want to tell them, you can tell them and they'll pray. They, listen, there are people today that came wanting to help somebody else. And if that means today praying with you, they're here to pray with you right now. So listen, as, 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 as I pray, you don't have to wait till the music starts. I pray if, you, if you've got a burden, if you've got an issue, right? We know we got Jackson to pray for. But there's something else you've got. It's in your life that we need to lift up and pray. Listen, there's something you need to confess to the Lord. You do it right now. Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you for Paul and Barnabas who went and preached. Lord, Lord thank you for Sergius Paulus, this, this Roman authority that believes in you. But Lord, thank you today for the believers that are here. Lord, thank you for the seeker that is here today. Father God, you just used this time and Lord, I don't want to manipulate anybody. I don't want to force anybody to do what I desire. But God, I do, I do want your power, your Holy Spirit to work. And so, Father God, I want you to move in our midst to speak to these people today. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, there's already some coming. Listen, if you